Welcome to the Core Women Podcast, the place for women entrepreneurs, authors, and self-starters looking to build community and gain valuable insights through expert interviews with women at the top of their game. Join your host, podcaster, producer, expert coach, entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Summer Watson, as she aims to inspire and empower you through these candid conversations. Lean in and embrace the journey. It's time to start the show. Here's your host, Dr. Summer Watson. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome Meg Nasro, who is a magical manifester, a former federal immigration prosecutor, an inspirational speaker, a transformational coach, and the award-winning author of The Magical Guide to Bliss, Daily Keys to Unlock Your Dreams, as well as the author of Spirit and Inner Bliss and Sparkle and Shine, 108 Mantras to Brighten Your Day and Lighten Your Way, and the newly released Butterfly Awakens, a memoir of transformation through grief. After she was brought on stage in Miami with Oprah Winfrey in 2014, she was inspired to manifest the life of her dreams and founded Butterflies and Bliss LLC and Shine Networking Inc., a nonprofit that provides educational scholarships to young innovative leaders in her community and she is a TEDx speaker as well. We have so much to talk about, Meg, so let's jump right into this party and get it started. (laughs) How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I just think that you are a ray of sunshine for all, so I'm so excited to talk to you today, Summer. Thank you. So, Meg, before we jump into your professional career, can you take us on a little bit of a journey about your personal life, where you grew up, and some of the wisdom you picked up along the way that got you to where you are today? So, if we're going back to the beginning, I was born in Orlando, Florida. My parents were actually stationed there during the Vietnam War, but my parents are New Yorkers. So, I'm from an Italian American family from New York. And Thank God, because I don't know what other incarnation I would ever choose at this point. I come from a very loving and loud family who feel loudly and are passionate and have a zeal for life, curiosity, and all of the above. Education was paramount. We are a family that, you know, comes from the immigrant mindset where education is what's going to help us rise. So we were taught that. And, you know, all of my sisters, lawyers and doctor, and I'm a lawyer. So all of this was inbred into us. Not that 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 is necessary to be a curious person, but my parents at that point in time, we're doctor, lawyer, Indian chief. They wanted us to have some kind of professional standing. And it's been an amazing experience, really learning through those lens. My parents being very curious, you know, lovers of life, and they took us all over the world. They really did in, embrace that whole open-minded perspective where we jump into the world and experience it. And I went to Boston College for college, and it was a wonderful experience. And then I came back to Orlando and decided to take the gap year when it wasn't a gap year. It was a forced upon gap year (laughs) to figure out what I wanted to do, because I clearly had no idea. I was a language major undergrad. And then I decided to get my master's in international security and conflict and inter-American affairs. I moved to Miami, and that is where I currently reside. So I kind of took you through pretty much 50 years of my life. Wow. In like 30 seconds. That is awesome. And that is a lot actually. And it just sounds like education is really in your DNA. 
And it was something that was really supported in your family. And that's important. So absolutely. Let's talk a bit about your professional transition from federal immigration and talk about that a little bit, federal immigration prosecutor to inspirational speaker, coach, award-winning author, and TEDx speaker. You know, I, I think that terminology, wherever you go, there you are. And I think that when you show up in a place as authentically as you can, certainly at the beginning of your career, it's kind of like finding your way and trying to figure out what is exactly who you want to be and your why. And as I was moving along in my life, I found mentoring was really a empowering concept that I wanted to pay forward what I had learned in the past. So one of the things that I had done while I was, in fact, an assistant chief counsel with uh, with IN, well, it was INS initially, Immigration Nationalization Service, to ICE Immigration and Customs Enforcement with DHS. I took over the intern program in Miami. So I was able to recruit law students, college students, high school students even, who were trying to do their pro bono credits. And one of the coolest things was I was always aware that you can't have this dual experience where you show up professionally one way and personally another. I think you have to combine the both and do what you are, who you are, where you are. So one of the things that I had really uh, intentionally embraced was to help people on their personal journey as well as their professional journey. And I think that by educating others, you know, I, I like the word education because I'm a Latin student too. I was taking four years of Latin. My language is, I was a language major in college. You know, I'm fascinated by words, but educare in, in, in Latin, it means to lead yourself out of something and towards something. So education for me is always kind of continuing that journey, you know, educating yourself to what you might need to know for tools that you might have down the path. So when I was with DHS, you know, the litigation component was always so fascinating. I am a uh, struggle, I guess, not struggling, but I am a wannabe actor, I can imagine, right? So there that plays into the whole, you know, presentation or owning the space or owning the stage or whatever the heck that looks like for you. But because I wanted to push myself into that arena, litigation was great because I had my role and that was their role and then the judge's role and then the respondent's role and everybody had a role and it just made so sense. So like all the world's a stage, Shakespearean style. Um, and it just really made sense. But then added that added, you know, where I got to teach other people how to hold space, how to listen well and to articulate well the arguments in conjunction with preparing well. It was just really kind of an exciting experience for me and led to, after the fact, jumping from that position to a bigger stage, I think. And, and, and certainly, you know, that with this core woman concept, you know, you have a bigger stage where the voices that you interview reach out further and your own voice, you get to reach out further. So you set the parameters initially to learn what you don't know. And then you jump into this other world where you get to actually put into the world that beauty of that whole process. And then some because you never know who you're going to touch, especially with the podcast world. So it's kind of like uh, trusting the process because, you know, when you start, it's like, you don't know what's going to happen. You're like, I could just fall on my face or I could get up and try again. So, you know, one of the concepts that I literally live by is that it's never over until you say it is. <laughs> so it's like, and I am clearly not over and neither is anyone out there as you choose to like, you know, dust yourself off and try again and move along and, and, 
figure out what aligns to your passion and your purpose and do that. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate so many things you have said here, how people really need to align their personal and professional, because when you're out of alignment, it really doesn't feel authentic. You're not as passionate about it. And I think that comes from values and understanding your own personal values. And sometimes it's like, it takes a little time to understand what those are because we're conditioned early on to believe what our parents have said, our educators have said, or our clergy even, you know? And so what do we take on as our own? Because how are we living in our own authenticity? So I love what you said about that. There's so much there in regards to your transition, mentorship, how you've helped others. Let's jump into our next question. Oh, but first, let me take a step back. Talk about your TEDx speaker experience. What was that like for you? Well, you know, everyone's always, especially speakers are always like, get a TEDx. My experience, I have to shout out to the amazing Dr. Jessica Taylor because she was my brand publicist and she knew that that was a part of one of my dreams. So when she launched her first TEDx in the Martindale Brightwood um, stage, she reached out to me and said, I want your story. And my story has always been trying to help others come alive to the beauty of their own stories. I, when I'm vulnerable, you know, a lot of people think that that's a weakness, but I see it as really a badass quality because basically what are you going to do to me? I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to tell you my story from the place of how I see it. What's really brought me down to my knees on the floor, crying in tears and puddles. But when I do that, I also have to share with others. There's hope still because I still tried to figure out a way to get up on my, my feet again. And I, my, my um, title for my TEDx was wake up time to create a better story for a happier village. And I think that each person who decides on, okay, this is my life. Just what you said, people dictate whatever they want. They think that they're doing right by you. They think they're helping you. That's what they know. They're imparting that wisdom on you, what they know. But when you start to question what's good for you, what, what aligns with you, what's right for you, then it becomes a story that makes you decide the narrative. And you get to choose, like you said, well, that doesn't make any sense to me and it doesn't feel right to me. So I'm not going to choose that, but thank you for sharing that with me. So I could do the contrast, right? I could do the whole exploration of what is right and what is wrong. So my whole point with regard to the whole TEDx talk was there's so many people out in the world because they think the whole experience is so incredibly painful, right? Sometimes it's so painful. Like I said, it has you on your knees and you're like, this is never going to change. This is my life. I will never change, right? And what I wanted to do was like, wake up. There is an opportunity in awareness. So you are where you are. You're on whatever, you know, place you have found yourself. There are many opportunities to reach out to another person and say, help me. I see you. I like what you're doing. You are inspirational to me. And can you help me? Yeah. And that's where the big ask comes to play, right? I can take my experience, be vulnerable in that by extending myself to someone that I admire and asking for help. And that might be the first step in changing the narrative of your life. 
And you might be the first person for someone in your circle to look up to and say, look at her, look what she did with her life and inspire another. So it's all about waking up because you have to become aware. You have to be conscious. We can all try to numb ourselves out, which is really, I think numbing out is pretty hard too. I mean, because you literally can just, like I said, find me in the closet crying some days. That's all right though. Just don't stay there. Right. They always say, you know, the Winston Churchill quote, when you're going through hell, keep going. Don't, this is another echelon of that. Don't unpack and sleep there. You know, don't make your your house there. Why would you want when Disney world's around the corner? Right. So (laughs) I'm like, you know, it's all like where you find yourself and then gathering whatever strength you have to do the next next step. And that was what I wanted to impart in my like five plus minutes. It's time to wake up. It's time to really start becoming conscious and saying, what can I do? What can I do in service to myself and to others really? Right. I love that folks out there. If you have the opportunity, listen to Meg's TEDx because it's awesome. And I love what you said about it's time to wake up. And sometimes we're so caught in layers of sleep and just walking as if we're sleepwalking that we don't know how to wake up. And sometimes it takes that little gentle shove by somebody, or maybe even yourself to wake up and realize there is still hope. And then after the hope aspect, there's the action. You can take the action. And I I absolutely love that. So take a listen to that TEDx. Now let's jump right into your company, Butterflies and Bliss LLC and your nonprofit Shine Networking. Can you tell us a bit about that? Well, the title Butterflies and Bliss is about transformation toward happiness, right? I love the word bliss because I'm a big fan of Joseph Campbell. And he says, you know, follow your bliss, right? Right. Not just your passion or whatever that is. Just follow the things that give you great joy and happiness, you know, being with people like you, Summer, you know, having conversations like this, you leave feeling inspired to do so much more than you started. So that is where bliss came from. But in the transformation of the butterfly, that was the whole thing, you know, because I do a lot of inspirational writing. My first book is a guide toward bliss. So it's a daily guide that actually has you looking at your life and asking yourself the questions first and foremost, you know, and, and taking that whole plunge into that discernment process. And my second book is affirmations, you know, pick your affirmation. That's going to start planting those seeds of those strong neural pathways in your brain so that you can start reversing any other kind of programming. You know, I'm terrible. I'm not good enough to, I am possible. I I love this one. This is a shout out to Pam Grout of E squared fame. Something wonderful is always about to happen. And when you start looking for that, something wonderful, always about to happen is might just happen, you know, because you're paying attention and you're seeking that which is seeking you. On the other hand, my shine is my nonprofit and, you know, shine came about with a wonderful group of women who it was my big ask. I reached out to them and they all responded to the call. It was a year after I was on stage with Oprah Winfrey in 2014. Um, Actually, I will give a shout out to Chris Palacios. He's the one who came up with the idea of doing an event to continue that wonderful, uplifting and inspirational spirit that happened. It was a live the life you want conference that came to town in Miami and she had done it throughout a lot of big cities in the country. And 
after we just all felt like this zing, nothing, nothing is out of our reach. We can all do it. So what we wanted to do was continue that. So the ideas were planted. I'm kind of like, if I like the idea, I'm like, no, I can't let this die on the vine. I gotta, I gotta see it through. The other two people who were involved, they had other really, really pressing obligations come up in their lives. They couldn't commit. So I engaged another group of women who, and, and there was some men too, um, who were so happy to do this, to bring this sentiment to the world. So we could be that maybe that one little ripple effect that has a, a, you know, expands that we will never even know for a fact. So it turned into a, a networking event to this nonprofit. Now what we give innovate, we give scholarships to innovational, um, innovative leaders that are young leaders in the community. I'm a huge advocate of, of the, the arts. I love Broadway. Like I said, I'm a wannabe actor, right? <laughs> but I'll, I'll say it, you know, I, I'll do, I do mine where I do my stage, wherever it shows up. My intention was to support people who are creative in that respect. And my daughter's an actor too. And I love theater and I, you know, I can't wait till it reopens again on Broadway, but I have been supporting a lot of those type of creatives in, in the past and in the future. And, and it's just been a, such a rewarding experience to give back, not in a huge way, but, you know, as much as we can toward that as well. Well, I love what you said here about your business and your nonprofit and how you developed the whole Butterflies and Bliss LLC and that metamorphosis, that idea of change mm-hmm. and growth and mm-hmm. how that's birthed so to speak. It's beautiful. So that whole image is fantastic. And the nonprofit in giving back is so critical. And we find that during our lives, we come to appreciate so many different things. And when we appreciate those specific things in our lives, we should give back and support others in that as well, because they have those dreams. And, and, And mind you, I keep hearing you say about being an actor, hey, it's never too late. It's never too late, Meg. It's never too late. So get out oh. there. Do oh, don't, don't even. I have to tell you something. There's a great story where Hamilton came to town. And right. before Hamilton came to town, they had this whole Hamilton review. And my daughter, I put her name in because she's a really great singer. And I had her up there. But I told her, she was must have been eight-year-old friend and 13-year-old friend. I go, I'm getting up on that stage before the end of the day. I was like, I'm getting up there. So I found myself up there. They're like, all the people who are a part of this group over here, because my daughter had sung in the whole process, come up here and join us in the final song. I'm like, I'm going. Yeah. Like, I'm so embarrassed. She's so embarrassing. I was like, ah, quiet you. Yeah, right. <laughs> quiet you'll you'll see what this is like later on I in your life dream, baby. i got a dream <laughs> exactly i've got a dream so you're gonna live it so do it live it i just put something up a post yesterday age is not a reason to dismiss your dreams so nope. do not dismiss those <laughs> dreams embrace those dreams and that's something that you have done that is something that you have walked your life in a certain path and you have continued to develop those dreams I am going to go back to something that you mentioned, and that was when you were on stage with Oprah in 2014. Can you tell us what that experience was like for you? In Butterfly Awakens, I go through the whole story as to why that was so profoundly important, but I'll explain to you in that specific instance how important it was. Um, My mother was sick in 2011. She passed away from breast cancer, Mm -hmm. and that really was the impetus behind 
such a huge transit transformation for me because I really was in a bad place, miserable. I felt like, how am I ever going to live without this beautiful woman by my side? I loved her. She was just such a champion. Anyone who knew her will tell you that she was just a force of nature. And when she passed away, I couldn't believe it because she was really, in my mind, 67 was young. But I think anytime you lose somebody that you love so intensely, it's still too young, right? Right. So I had to pull myself out of this incredible depression, anxiety, because I had seen her pass away. And it was like, death was such an intense notion where like, we're all going to die. There's nothing that's going to stop it. I mean, when you get into that whole rumination and that spiral, it's pretty ugly. It's a dark place. And I would say that would be the dark night of the soul. However, for me, I couldn't pull myself out of it alone. That's what I'm saying. You know, I had to reach out to have others really help me, you know, save myself because I really felt that at that point that I couldn't, I wasn't either that. I mean, I was having, I had, I had um, acquired a situation called tinnitus. It's like a screaming Uh in your head it's a nervous system just gone off the skids, you know, in my, in my situation. And I just had the suicidal ideations where I cannot live like this. I do not want to live like this. But the problem was I had a two-year-old and I had an eight-year-old and there's no way I'm going to step off because of them. And, and I love them. And I, I'm very life filled person before I can go dark. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I, I'm a very empathetic person as well. So when the world gets too heavy, I internalize a lot of it and it's hard, but this was really a moment in time where I just felt like I cannot pull myself out of this darkness. So I got a lot of help going back to the whole Oprah thing. You know, I was trying to convince my mother to pull through. And I said to her, Oh my God, what impossible thing can I do? That's going to give you the inspiration to pull. Remember I inspire people, you know? Yeah. And so I had this incredibly psychotically wonderful mission where I was going to meet Oprah in 2011, 2010, and show my mother that look, mom, you know, even people say I could never have this never going to happen. And look, I could do this. And I just never happened. And then in, in April of 2011, my mom dies, May of 2011, Oprah goes off the air. I'm like, what the hell is going on around here? Right. Ultimately, um, the whole Oprah experience. So I had from the point of time, 2011, when I lost my mother to 2014, a lot of things happened, a lot of work, internal work on myself, you know, certainly as to what I want my life to look like. So in 2000, oh, I'm sorry, in 1991, I was pulled on the stage in The Price is Right. I know I told you the story <laughs> or not, but I went after college to California where I was on The Price is Right with my good friend, Tracy. Um, and she, her parents, her parents took us there. It was a whole shabille. And I was called to come on down the first part. So I always imagined, like, if I ever did meet Oprah, it would be her saying, come on down there, because I had that experience. So why wouldn't it play over into this part? So, you know, I had this whole manifestation visualization. I saw the whole thing. I went up, like, uh, she told me to come on down, likes prices, right? I mean, I even spun the wheel in prices, right? And wow. got the dollar. Yes. I spun a dollar, but you know what? I always say that manifested because when I was, and when I was a young kid and I was home sick from school, I would write, I would watch prices right every day. And I imagined always spinning the wheel and hitting a dollar. So I like, yeah, this is going to happen for me. So what happened for me? That's when the action comes in. We were talking about before you got to get yourself where you need to be. Right. Yeah, that's right. Old action. Anyway. So I, I bought the tickets to go to see Oprah cause she was coming to town. Um, you know, it was my 45th birthday at the time. I'm, eight, I'm dating myself right now, <laughs> but I'll tell you, 
I was like, I don't know. I just felt like, you know, I have to thank her. I don't know. I don't, I just felt like I was so in gratitude at that point because I had really been in a really dark place. I really didn't want to live anymore to this, you know, shift. I was writing every day in my mat. I was writing the magical guide. I hadn't published it yet. And I was just like, you know, I just think that my life is so not yet fully lived. And I just wanted to go and thank her. And I felt like so possible at that point. And uh, uh, my really good friend, who's just as a manifestor's I was sh- sitting in the third round, very far up. And she saw me because I had a yellow jacket on and I decided to wear a tiara because it was my 45th birthday and I love tiaras. And my mother was a cherry blossom princess back in the New York in the, in the day. Oh. So I always like fascinated by her tiara, like always wanted a tiara. So I just buy myself. I'm not kidding. I have so many tiaras. I'm going to have to send you one. I carry them around. I love tiaras. I'll put it on my head. May. So yeah. Oh, my. Stop, stop yourself. <laughs> like the- you have a tiara. Oh my. And it's the same tiara. Yes. You've got to be kidding. No. I told you I love summer. <laughs> She's amazing, you guys. She has a beautiful tiara on her head. That is more like the queen. I'm going to say, I'm going to bow to the queen at this point with beautiful blue. Stone. And you're just it's stunning so- as well. It's oh beautiful. It's blue. We've got the same color blue one. It's so striking. This is just incredible. It's so synchronistic. I love right. it. It's very special. I knew it. I knew that you were a tiara girl. I knew it. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> so I had my tiara on and Oprah comes through the crowd. You got to read my book because I go through the whole thing. It's actually quite exciting and inspirational too, because even when I read it, I was like, that just happened to me. I was like, oh my God. But she came to the crowd. She was going through and and everybody was actually really calm because Deepak Chopra was doing his meditation beforehand. Yeah. So everybody was not like rushing her. Like nobody was like jumping and rushing her. They were all sitting quietly. It was very interesting. So I've been to events where really, really famous people are, and they're all bum rushing them when they come out into the crowd. They all want to touch them. Right. She wasn't even with a security person. It felt like she was by herself walking through the crowd. I was sitting with my friends. My friend Karen was on one side and my friend Mari was on the other and she walked and she was walking straight to me. (laughs) And I was like, Oh my God, of course I was going nuts because I was so excited. She was like coming right my way and she stopped in front of me and you got to read the book. Cause I'm not going to give this one away, yeah. but she looked at me. Then she looked at my friend and she said to my friend sitting next to me, the one who was sitting in the third row, the third tier yes. who had come down and found me, took her by the hand said, I like you and brought her to the stage. So I'm like, oh, what happened? I was like, what happened? What happened? What happened? Oh my God. Well, she told a story the night before about how she was pieing for this role in color purple. And then when she actually let the role go and let the universe take over, that's when she got the call from Steven Spielberg that she was going to be in this role. And it was the role of her lifetime, right? That's where she made her, you know, movie debut. So I remember that role. I had a dream the night before I actually went to Oprah's experience with Steven Spielberg. Go figure, right? Wow. Yeah, no, no, I'm telling you, it's pretty crazy. I had a dream. I was sitting at the Oscars with Steven Spielberg and his wife by his side. Oprah was walking over to me and Steven Spielberg and she saw me and she turned around and walked away. So this is happening in real time. Oprah comes to me, picks my friend, and then she walks away. Just like my friggin' dream. So I remembered the Steven Spielberg story the night before. And I was like, okay, I just gotta let it go. The universe take over. I'm happy for my friend. Right. My friend's on stage. My friend looks out to the crowd and said, Oprah, I'm so grateful that I'm here with you, but I can't be up here without my friend, Meg. 
in front of 15,000 people. So she looks out at me and I'm just like, uh, what did she say? Oh my God. Talk about generosity, right? right? So she looks out and Oprah goes, Meg, where are you? Come on down. Like, like literally I heard her say that. So I was like, like the price is right. Come on down. Meg Nazaro, come on down. So I literally got up and I ran to the stage. I ran to the stage, left the thing I was supposed to bring because obviously <laughs> this was not about the book that I was supposed to be reading, like this whole inspirational. She was asking about what was your intention, what we were meditating on. Right. I left that behind because this is the Meg show, man. Remember, I'm the actor. I'm like, ah, this is like, this is going to be my moment with Oprah. It has nothing to do with that. This is like, oh my God. Jazz oh, hands. Oh my goodness. <laughs> calm me down because I'm just like yeah <laughs> I'm waving to the audience as if it were my stage you know it was pretty funny I, and I'm just like kind of like crying and once I get up there and Oprah like grabs me she goes come here Meg or you're gonna miss your moment I looked at her and I looked at her eyes and I was like Oprah I'm going into the ugly cry <laughs> don't go into the ugly cry I'm going into the ugly cry. you're not gonna like these pictures Meg I go I don't care <laughs> so we have a picture of all of us. And she said to me, you know, now it's time to live the life of your dreams. And in that moment, I looked up and I felt my mother there. I, I can't explain uh, the sentiment. I just felt her like, you see, impossible things happen. And I was like, well, this is my opportunity to see what I'm made of. This is maybe where I am is not where I have to be forever. And I can continue on and magic can happen. So absolutely. that is literally where I started this whole, I mean, listen, when things like that happen, these kind of signs happen in your life when Oprah like tells you to live the life you want, if you ignore it, yes. then shame on you, you should stay where you are. <laughs> because then whatever. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. What a story. That is so fabulous. It's got so many different parts and pieces in it that are just, you can tap into that and just whoo, feel so good. It's soul fulfilling. What is what I would call it. So, oh my goodness. So let's jump into your book. Butterflies Awakens, a memoir of transformation through grief. Can you touch on this briefly? Briefly. Um, so <laughs> when I was going, I know briefly, I'm not briefly. I'm, I'm not a brief person. Verbosity <laughs> is certainly in my, woo, you know. Um, when I decided to take my life back, when I was really depressed, really depressed, I'm telling you, I had anxiety attacks, the whole shebang. I was a mess. The thing is, my mess was not for the public to see. Right. I didn't bring it out. I did not, you know, show up to the world and say, this is me on show going through the most incredible grief process I've ever experienced in my life. I had very much a circle that I, I did share with because I couldn't do it alone, but I promised myself, first of all, my ending is going to be something that I can be proud of, like that I can sit in there and say, damn, I did it. I did it. But also my whole point was to share that hope is never far away. Hope is always there. And when you have hope, there's always possibility. They say depression is sadness without hope. My whole intent in sharing this story and being incredibly vulnerable of my with my life is so that someone out there who was me, back in 2011, where I was having suicidal ideations, where I didn't want to live anymore, where I didn't think my life meant anything anymore, that that person can grab this book and say, there's hope. And I get to be the creator of my story if I choose to be. 
because I made a lot of things up as I went along, Summer, and literally, <laughs> like, I did that. I ended up on a pilgrimage in El Camino de Santiago in Spain with 17 other people who willingly volunteered to go with me because I asked. And what I learned about myself along the way, my wish is that I could share that wisdom for other people so that they can come alive to the beauty of their dreams and the capacity that they don't give up on themselves because, you know, keep going, keep going. Like you were saying at the outset, just keep going because your life has profound purpose. It doesn't have to be for the world to see, but it's necessary for you to know that. And that is the message that I'm hoping to share with, with this book. Well, I absolutely appreciate it and love it because There are so many people who have lost hope and are so buried in the darkness that it is my hope that books like yours and others will help folks see that hope and hold on to it. And then the next part of that is take action. And I love what you did, Meg, in relation to taking that journey and having that big ask of folks, can you take this journey along with me? Mm-hmm. And they did. Yeah. And what I also appreciate about all of this is that although you were in such a dark spot, you still managed to hold on to some hope and unlayer that darkness, come out from those layers of darkness and hold on to that hope and create action in your life. I always say, Don't buy my book unless you're going to actually do something with the information in it because, or others, the other people's inspirational books, because we give this information, expertise, wisdom for you to hope, be inspired, but then do because the doing part is so meaningful. The doors that it can open the heart that you needed to reclaim the soul that you needed to fill. That's what's going to happen in the action, right? So thank you so much for writing something so important. So Meg, we have covered a ton here (laughs) and thank you for sharing your wisdom, your emotional side with us for opening up about your experiences. I'd like to end on one last question here. And that question is, if you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom, what would they be? So I've opened up my book, Magical Guide to Bliss. I always go to a certain page. I feel like it's an answer to my intention for the day. And the insight that I opened up to today was your reality is what you make it. And it's based on Albert Einstein's quote, reality is merely an illusion, albeit a persistent one, right? And the bottom line is use the power of your mind to create the reality of your choosing that lifts you up rather than pulls you down. And if anyone out there is listening, by the way, Summer Story in and of itself is an amazing story of hope and persistence and determination. I am inspired by her and I am a follower of her. She is one of those people out in the world that that shines, (laughs) is a bright light. And if you need the light, I would absolutely recommend you to go to her book Mm -hmm. and get what you need to not take a huge step, but just find the next one. And with that, I will say 
that when you practice a life with a heart wide open to all the wonderful possibilities, your mindset will allow more magic and miracles for it is your reality is an illusion and a persistent one at that. You want to be sure that your illusion is a life filled with joy, happiness, and love. So that is my hope for everyone. If you're going to choose this reality, as you see it, have it filled with happiness, light, and love and surround yourself with people like summer. Mm. Thank you, Meg, for joining me on the core women podcast today. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed it very much. And you got me to cry. (laughs) (laughs) So you can connect with Meg Nassero on Facebook at Meg Bliss on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Meg Nassero and subscribe to her YouTube page, Manifesting with Meg, Conversations with Extraordinary People and find her new book, Butterfly Awakens, a memoir of transformation through grief on Amazon. Thank you for joining us on the Core Women Podcast with Dr. Summer Watson. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect more with you. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Core Women and on Twitter at Core Women One. For more about Core Women and Dr. Watson, visit corewomen.com. Want more support and resources for amazing women like you? Great! Join Dr. Watson and Jen Fontanilla at the Life, Love & Money Collective, a core women production that aids in understanding the key traits that might be getting in the way of living a life that you are absolutely passionate about. Connect with Summer and Jen and find out more at thelifeloveandmoney.com.